Good morning, Orangewood. Good to be with you. Great worship, huh? Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Uh, to be led into the presence of the living God. Listen, I get around the city. We have some of the finest worship here in the city, here at, at Orangewood. And what a blessing it is to be able to come on the third Sunday in Advent, light the shepherd's candle, talk about joy, even hear a financial report for crying out loud and have some of you clap after a financial report was given. That is a miracle. Uh, but uh, we're going to look into God's word, talk about perspective and joy and the shepherds. Before we do that, let's bow our heads and hearts briefly in prayer. Our great God, what a joy it is to be able to come into your presence, to worship you, to glorify your name, and to be touched by you, by your spirit. We come into this place today. We're, we've been all over the place. We've been doing all kinds of things. Uh, Lord, we need you. We need sanity that can only come from you. We need the grounding, the truth, the peace, the grace, the mercy that can only come from you. And so we come into your presence now. Lord, make a room in our hearts for you. We pray that you would help us do that. Help us be open to what you have to say now to us. So we pray for the one who teaches that you'd forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth as we focus upon our Lord Jesus Christ today. In whose name we pray, amen. Well, it's, it's great to be with you. I wasn't able to be here the, the second Sunday of Advent last week, but it was good to be with you on the first Sunday of Advent. But when we get to the third Sunday in Advent, every one of us is always asking the inevitable question to one another, how is your Christmas shopping going? You know, how's it going? Now, of course, that's not to the guys. The guys aren't going to start shopping till December 23rd anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's more to the ladies. How's your Christian shop, Christmas shopping going? And really, you know, it's fascinating to, to, to look at that whole thing about shopping because shopping is done differently today as it used to be done. I mean, really, I mean, the bottom line is my street was a veritable turnpike of trucks, uh, Amazon Prime, Federal Express, UPS. That's how we're doing our shopping these days, right? I mean, it's all coming that way. And so very few people are really out doing shop. Well, no, they really are still out shopping. I, I'm reminded of the story. I really love this story about this grandma who was out shopping uh, before Christmas. And she uh, came back with her packages after coming out of the mall, came back to her car, and there were four guys climbing into her car. So she drops her packages, pulls a gun, points at it, and says, I have a gun and I know how to use it. And these guys were no idiots. All she saw was elbows and heels. They took off. And then she got in the car. She was shaking and had trouble getting the key in the ignition. And then she couldn't get it in. And then she finally realized why. It was not her car. <laughs> and, so, and so she got her packages, looked up. Sure enough, four or five cars down the road. There was a car just like hers. And then and she drove to the local police station, went in, explained to the sergeant what was going on, and the sergeant was cracking up because down at the end of the, end of the aisle there were four guys who had said there was this lady with a big gun <laughs> hijacked our car. I love that story. It makes me laugh. I, you know, it makes me happy. I, uh, can you picture that that actually happened? I, mean, I, I don't know if it's true, but I, I love it because I can picture it, and I like to laugh. Don't you like to laugh? Don't you like to be happy? 
Don't you like to be joyful? I do. And, uh, and, and as Dennis Prager, the Jewish talk show host said, happiness is a real problem. Happiness is a real problem. You say, why? Well, happiness is a real problem because there's so many unhappy people in the world and unhappy people do ungodly things to other people. And so the bottom line is happiness is a real problem because there's so many unhappy people. And the reality is, he says, and I agree, that happiness, I'm under a moral obligation to be happy to other people. I, I'm under a moral obligation to be a happy person because of all the people in my life. I love that, uh, and I think it's very, very important uh, as we think about this story. The reality is, is that laughter, happiness, and joy, what they do is they make light a heavy life, and life is heavy. And at Christmas, we come to this time, and it, it's, it's a very, very happy should be, joyful time, but it isn't always. What I need at this time of the year is to understand that I'm a lot like that grandma. I, I mean, all of us are kind of a mess, aren't we, at Christmas? Even at Christmas time, can't we admit that at some point, I mean, you guys dress nice, you drive nice cars, you're wonderful people, I love you guys, but aren't, isn't there a sense in which, to some extent, we're all a little bit of a mess? That there's a little, maybe a lot a mess? that we might be dressed uh, nice today, but there's unhappy humanity in us. At one moment, I'm, I'm nice and kind and rational, and then the next moment, I'm demanding, I'm irritated, I'm, of course, I'm a pastor, and I've learned to cover all that up. But if you knew what I was thinking at times, you wouldn't let me preach here. And if I knew what you were thinking at times, I wouldn't want to preach here, right? I mean, the reality is we are kind of a mess. And what we need at Christmas time is to come to the reality of understanding that what, the God, what happened at Christmas gives us a perspective that what Jesus came to do is restore joy. Restore joy and happiness in the deepest possible sense. And happiness can only come with that perspective. Just like these first shepherds. And I love singing with you this morning. I, I love, I, 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 I didn't do the review of the songs ahead of time. Jack and I are friends, but he doesn't give me that opportunity. I didn't need to, I trust him. The songs were perfectly selected to show us the, the shepherd's account and the joy that they experienced and the joy that we could, those shepherds got perspective in that supernatural experience that we can get at Christmas. Let's look at the text, and then we'll talk about joy and perspective. Luke 2 is our text. Luke 2, 8 through 20. One of my favorite, probably my favorite Christmas texts. And in the same reason, uh, region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Great fear meets great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for, they had, for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. What a great text. And it really is a text about the restoration of joy. Christmas is the restoration of joy. And these shepherds got a perspective. In, in, a, in a nutshell, they got a perspective that was absolutely amazing. Catch this. See if you think you agree with me on this. There is no joy without perspective of the real world as it is. A full and deep understanding of the world as it is. We need perspective. So often what we don't have is we don't have perspective. We don't have the big picture. Something goes wrong in your office. Somebody has to leave your office. And you talk to the manager, you say, why did that happen? You go, well, you got to catch the big picture here. You got to get the perspective. And when you see the perspective and when you hear the, 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 uh, the answers, you go, well, okay, I'm not all happy with it, but I, but I see it better. What, what did the shepherds see? I believe in this text, we see maybe what they didn't see completely, but what we need to see at Christmas. And that is a perspective that goes from Genesis to Revelation. A perspective that really has elements of creation to Christmas, and then from Christmas to the cross, and then from the cross to the second coming. So really, the flow of all of biblical history. That's a perspective that they had Let's take a look at that and unpack that in the hour and 44 minutes that we have to look at this text together. Here we go. I'm kidding if you're with us for the first time. I'm just kidding. First of all, let's look at creation to the first Christmas that really comes in verses 8 through 11 where we see this unpacking of great joy. The angels show up. There is great joy uh, uh, as they sing. And, I, and you know one thing I love about worship here at Orangewood? I can sing like crazy over here in the corner in the dark. And I'm right near those speakers over there. And nobody can hear me. It's just a blessing to you and to me and to everybody else. But I can sing. I bet those angels sung so perfectly. I bet it was great. But it is said here that with the coming of Jesus, there was great joy. And it's probably going to shock you for me to tell you this, that in the biblical teaching, the words joy and happiness really don't have the, the dichotomy that we tend to see in American teaching today. Joy and happiness eventually are, are really the same thing. They're synonyms. 
And uh, Randy Elkhorn, by the way, who is a deep uh, Bible scholar, did a book on this in 2015. It's a powerful book uh, talking about the fact that really there's no difference between joy and happiness when you look at all of the biblical words. All of the words in the Bible, they're there. They're there. They are synonyms together. And we tend to think of happiness as that giddy excitement that comes with a party or something, you know, when things are all good. And we tend to think of joy as being that deep-seated sense of well-being that happens no matter what the circumstance. Have you heard this before? That happiness depends on happenings and that joy depends on what God does. And, but really, Alcorn says, look it up. I did. Happiness and joy are really the same things. And even when you do a survey of all of the biblical, good biblical teachers up to the time of a guy I'll mention in just a minute, uh, everybody puts happiness and joy together. Andrew Murray in his book on holiness wrote this. He says, there is no holiness without happiness and no happiness without holiness. Wow, that's shocking. There's no holiness without happiness, no happiness without holiness. I agree with that, by the way. But it was Oswald Sanders in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. Let me take a poll. How many of you ever read any of My Utmost for His Highest? Me too. Look, look, a lot of us. I love that guy. I love that book. But that was the first time, that was the first time that we can document where they made a difference between, and he made it, between joy and happiness. And it's really not there in the Bible. And so the reality is, is that joy and happiness Happiness are, are one and the same, and they're what God wants us to experience. God wants us to have joy, not just at Christmas, but all the time. Genesis 1.31. God looked at all that he created, and it was, it was, it was what? It wasn't just tov, it was very good. It was very good, because of course that's what God does. God does very good. He doesn't do mediocre. And, and so he created all that was that it would be very, very good so that people could have great joy. The angels had joy at what God created. God had joy at what he created. And, and Adam and Eve had joy in what, they, what God created. And it was all very good at the very beginning. See, perfection brings joy, doesn't it? Think about it. When I have those perfect cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning, I will be happy and joyful. I don't know what they have on Christmas morning in Greece. Baklava, for crying out loud, I don't know. Uh, but the reality is, is perfection brings joy. And that's what God intended from the very, very beginning. But of course, something went horribly wrong in all of creation. We know about the fall. We know that the Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know, no, they, 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 they ate of the tree. And when they ate of the tree, they were basically buying into a lie. God doesn't do good. God's holding out. God is holding back on me. God doesn't want me to have joy and happiness. And so they took their life in their own hands. You ever done that? Don't raise your hand. We've all done that. We've all said God's holding out on me, so I'm going to do it my way. That's why we have what we call cafeteria Christianity 
Even when we come to faith in Christ, we go, that looks good. I'll take that. And I'll take that, but I don't want that. That looks awful. As we look into scriptures, as we look into God's way and in what he allows to happen, we still often believe the lie that God is out to hold out on us. No, he's not. He's out for perfection and good and joy. And, and so, but, it, but, but creation fell. We know that. From creation to Christmas, we, we see that perfection was created, but it fell and we, lo we lost perfection. And with the loss of perfection, we lost a relationship with God. We lost a relationship with one another and we lost joy. Because there cannot be joy with great imperfection. It's difficult. And that's why some of you are not happy as you look ahead to Christmas because people are going to be there that you really don't want to be there. I know. I was talking to a young lady uh, at our house this past week, a friend of my daughter. She was over. We were talking, and she's, she's, she's a wonderful teacher at Winter Springs High School, and, she, and we were talking about, about Christmas. I said, what are you going to do at Christmas? And she goes, well, I got to go home, and my parents are divorced, and I got to spend this time here and this time here. And I said, man, I know exactly what you think. Well, that's how I grew up. You had to give the right amount of time to each parent and step-parent team so Christmas isn't a lot of fun, is it? She goes, no, I, I get it. Joy was lost because perfection was lost. But right away, Genesis 3, what does God plan to do? The text in Genesis 3 tells us that right away, God was making the plan. Right from the beginning, God was making the plan to restore all things, the proto-evangelion. He talks to the serpent and he says, serpent, your, your head's going to get squashed because I'm coming to fix things. And so what, what's the reality? Right through David, right through the Davidic line, what do we see in the Old Testament? We see promise. And Joe, you got it on the first Sunday in Advent. Joe gave us an exposition of all of the promises of Scripture. It was so good. I took copious notes. Because those, those predictions and prophecies are promises. What? Of what? Restoration. The restoration of all things. The restoration of a relationship with God, a restoration of a relationship with one another, and the restoration of joy and happiness that God intended. And so here's one of the big takeaways for you for Christmas. Here's a gift. I give it to you. Sometime this Christmas, understand no matter what's happened, no matter what's happened, that we live in a time like they did from, Christmas, from creation to the first Christmas, uh, looking ahead that God was going to restore all things. Take some time because your life is crazy like mine is. I get the end of every day and I go, whoa. I need a chiropractor adjustment at the end of every day because life turns you in circles. And sometimes you go, why is, why is life the way... Why is it the way it is? Well, you know, don't you, right? Genesis from creation to Christmas, creation from, from creation to the first Christmas, you know why life is the way it is. You lost your job. Why? Because it's a broken world. People get sick. You hear bad news for yourself. Why? Because the world's broken. One of the greatest gifts we have at Christmas is the perspective of why the world is the way it is. Students, don't get cynical. 
I know. I know. You got boyfriend, girlfriend issues. You got, you're maybe not doing as good in school as you did last year. You didn't maybe get on the athletic team you wanted to get on, or you got on it and didn't do as good as you thought you were going to do, or you lost somebody close to you. Yeah, I know. One of the great one of the great questions I ask is how, how do people without a belief in Jesus Christ do life? How did they do it back in the Old Testament, the believers back then? Here's how they did it. They sat back and they had a perspective and they said, it's an awful world. <laughs> but God's in charge and he's made promises and he's the ultimate promise keeper and joy will be restored. That's how they did it because they saw that joy was coming. They had perspective about their world. Now, the shepherds also, uh, is, it's a powerful story. And, and by the way, some of you may need that at Christmas to sit down with the holy cup of coffee, to sit back at night with the Christmas tree lit and everybody away and to say, you're in charge. God, you're in charge and I'm not. Perspective. But then the shepherds remind us about also not only uh, creation to Christmas, but the first Christmas to the cross. Uh, there was a long, long time between creation to the first Christmas, shorter period of time from Christmas, the first Christmas to the cross, 33 years to be exact. And, and so the reality is, is that what the shepherds got was they got the experience of the issue of fulfillment. The Old Testament people looked ahead that joy was coming, that sin was going to be reduced, that restoration was coming. The shepherds saw, it's here, it's here. They got fulfillment. Now, I know it's, it's, social, it's, it's disputed by historians uh, um, what the shepherds were really like. The historians that I read and that I've read over the years say that by this time in history, shepherds were not uh, on the upper uh, rungs of societal uh, um, parties and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there was a lower rung. Um, they traveled, the Egyptians certainly in the time of Moses thought that shepherds were not good uh, people, but uh, shepherds were on the move. And it seemed like uh, by many historians accounts, wherever shepherds went, things went missing. Clothes on laundry lines, shovels from backyards, things like that. It was just gone. The shepherds came and things were missing. That the shepherds were not the most reputable people. Why, that's why I love this story. I I love this story because when I was in Israel and went to the shepherd's field, and some of you have been there, they pull up, you go, this is a shepherd's field. You go, yeah, right. I've heard this like 34 times already since I've been in Israel. This is where it happened. Then you get to the shepherd's field, and then you look up at the hill, and you see the church of the incarnation up there, and you see the field, and you look around, and you can't figure out where else it could have been. And the shepherds still use that field, and there are fire pits there. And you go, whoa, I think this was it. I think this was it. And those, those blue collar guys who needed a bath desperately, covered with smoke and sweat, God shows up, you're gonna find the baby. The fulfillment of all things is gonna take place for you right here. I love that, don't you? Did he, did he go to these shepherds? He didn't go to the noblemen, he went to the shepherds for crying out loud. Infinity descended 
to infancy in the baby that these shepherds got to see. Fulfillment. Joy was fulfilled. Actually, it would be another 33 years, right? Because you see, Christmas has to lead to the cross. That, and at Christmas, we can't do Christmas without the cross, can we? If we do Christmas without the cross, we miss what it's really all about. We miss the perspective of the baby. Then it really is about babies. And guys, can we talk? Guys, how many of you are really excited about babies? I mean, your own. Not, not ladies, not kids, guys. Okay, I'm just talking to you. You can be honest here. I, I, I grew up with my mom in grocery stores handing me her purse saying, hold this while she went over and talked to a baby. I, I don't know. I think I was in junior high when I finally said, I'm not holding your purse anymore. <laughs> my mom loved babies and I never grew up loving babies until I had my own. My wife had our own. Now I love my babies that are now big old gorillas. So it's not about babies. It's about what the baby grew up to do. You and I know this. We know this instinctively. We must tell our kids it's not about a baby in a manger. It's about a baby who became a man who went to a cross, right? Because that's where joy, that's where joy. I, I'm following along in the Advent. I'm loving this. This is great stuff. Uh, and today's reading was John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. At Christmas, we got to talk about the great shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life and, 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 and the whole Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God is revealed in Christ so that when we, when we have trust in Jesus Christ, we are justified by faith in him. The promise is fulfilled. That's perspective. That's perspective that we need at Christmas. Jesus is not the hired help. He is a good shepherd who comes. And that gives us such perspective because joy can be restored knowing that we are forgiven. What, what's the big gift at Christmas? What's the big takeaway here? Well, in, in the first point I made, the big takeaway a gift for us at Christmas is perspective of understanding why the world is bad and why it is the way it, it is. You know, many people don't know that. They just don't know. But this second takeaway gift is the gift of identity and reality and understanding now that in Christ through faith in him, because he's the great shepherd of the sheep, you have a new identity. You've been completely redefined and you are God's deeply beloved and redeemed sons. Define your, Brennan Manning put it so well, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is your true self and every other identity is an illusion. Indulge yourself this Christmas and not necessarily like the, the uh, uh, commercials say. I love the commercial where the, lady, the two ladies are talking and she said, yeah, I'm indulging myself. She bought the car for herself for Christmas. All right. Indulge yourself with some time alone with the Father where you remember who you are where you cease to let other people define you. I'm in ministry. I have enemies. When I first started out as your church planner, I thought when the first person didn't like me anymore and left our church, I thought, wow, that's going to bring a bad name to Orangewood. 
And then, then I thought, well, it's going to bring a bad name to me and I'm in trouble. And I've been forced all my life to go back to who am I? I am God's deeply beloved, redeemed sons. You are his daughters and sons. And at Christmas, that's redefinition takes place. No one can change you. All right, last point. On the, on the way down, landing the plane, notice that perspective comes uh, as, as we, we go from the cross to the second coming. And you'll say, in this text, there's nothing about the second coming. I know. There's nothing about uh, the shepherds hearing about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I know. I know. Because it's dealing with the first coming. But the first coming always begs the second coming. Because let me ask you this. In the first coming of Jesus, did he fix everything? And God's people say, no. He didn't fix everything. Did he fulfill the promises that he would fix what essentially needed to be fixed? Our relationship with God, absolutely, absolutely. So that in the, in the first sense, from creation to the first Christmas, we have this perspective of understanding what would happen and the joy that comes from knowing why the world is the way it is. And from, from, from the first Christmas to the cross, we see the fulfillment that all things really have come together and that those who have faith in Christ have their identity completely reformed. But in this last point, what I want to bring up to you now is the reality is the first coming always begs the reality of the second coming. And because of the second coming, we know that he's going to bring joy and fulfillment and flesh it out in absolute perfection in every way. This is a great perspective for Christmas. That as you look out there and you say, this world's a mess. The political system's a mess. Every time, everywhere I turn, I hear good, bad news. I see some good things. I hear bad. It is a mess. I know. Jesus, come again. He is. He is. And so there's a very real sense in which Christmas is eschatological. Always has been, always will be. I love these requests at Christmas. The Orlando commuter said, all I want for Christmas is the I-4 ultimate project to be completed. <laughs> I pray that every Sunday when I come down Maitland Boulevard. Lord Jesus, please. Um, the little brother that said, all I want for Christmas is for my little sister to disappear. <laughs> I love that. The older little sister said, for Christmas, I want more diapers for my little brother. They say he's 90% liquid. <laughs> um, some of us will get that later. Uh, the young lady said, oh, nothing for me, just something plain and simple for my mother, a son-in-law, for instance. I want you. Christmas gives us that perspective about what's coming. And so I, I want to tell you to accept the gift of rationality from the Bible. Yes, the world's broken. It's broken, okay? Don't be shocked. There it is. Take hold of the gift of hope, and that means that something better is coming. Take hold of the gift of faith now at Christmas. God's in charge. Your life might have significant challenges. I'm looking out there and I see friends and I see a friend who has a significant challenge. We love you. Ron's with Jesus. He's going to be all right. He's all right. It always happens at Christmas. 
We pastors always hear a lot of bad news at Christmas. But Jesus is coming again. And that means that in the meantime of this brokenness, there is purposeful activity for spreading a kingdom, even though you feel like you're wrapped up in chaos and you have no idea how what you're doing plays a part in the future. You say, if I give to Orangewood, how does, that, how does that do anything? It advances the kingdom. My ministry means nothing. Oh, it does. Because even in the midst of chaos where we don't see what's happening, how we fit into the whole thing, Jesus is coming back again. That brings joy, knowing that in the midst of the chaos, our life has purpose and meaning. And so serve him. Be a part of what he's doing. Take hold of joyful purpose. Max Lucado put it this way. He said, your life is a plot. Your years have a theme. You can do something in a manner that no one else can. If you aren't you, we don't get you. And the world misses out. We need you. Purposeful activity now. Because Jesus is coming back brings joy. You play no small part because there is no small part to be played. These are the tidings of comfort and joy. Perspective. Perspective. Unwrap those gifts with me this Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for old stories that breathe new life, that truth that continues to transform our hearts. And we ask that you would oh, help us to have joy and happiness and contentment and peace in you and in Jesus right now because you have joy and peace and contentment and you provide it to us through your grace and mercy in his work. Commit ourselves to you in your holy name. Amen.